Good morning, good afternoon, or even good evening. Um, we're here today doing our first ever podcast. I'm Bill Bergman. I'm your professor in this Principles of Marketing course, and I'm supported here by my lead engineer um, and super brain, Megan Mancini, who is helping put these together. So. You'll meet new people as we get going here, and you'll get to hear them talk about marketing. But let's start with our marketing textbook. It's a thriller, marketing, an introduction. I know everyone has read the first chapter, so let me just go through it real quick and see if we can all agree on the important parts. So somebody tell me, what is a good definition of marketing? What do you think, Megan? What's a good definition of marketing? Um, to me, marketing is when a company promotes a product or a service in order to get in the minds of the consumers. Impressive. Very impressive. Um, let's read the definition from the book in the songbook on page five. Hence, we define marketing as the process by which companies engage customers, build strong customer relations, and create customer value in order to capture value from customers in return. What the... Can't curse on this, right? What in the world does that mean? I don't know what that means. That's complicated to me. So... My research suggests that 95% of the people, maybe 97, who take this course think that marketing is what? Advertising. Uh, 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 uh. It's a part of it, but that's not the whole thing. So let's talk about what marketing is. It's kind of like what our um, engineer said. It's trying to sell people something. It's trying to sell them a product or a service. And I don't think anyone in this class should ever, ever, say that again, Bill, ever write a definition of marketing without the word selling in it. You have to be able to sell something. The other thing marketing does, as our distinguished Miss Mancini said, is try to convince you of doing, trying to convince you to buy something by using some form of persuasion. So one of the things, so probably the best definition you can use is the definition that says marketing is selling you something by getting information to you or getting inside your head to convince you. That's pretty weird, right? Yeah. There are other things that relate to marketing to its definition. Um, and those are the four P's of marketing. And what are those four P's, Miss Mancini? Product, placement, price, and promotion. How soon they don't forget. That was worth a lot of money of education a year ago, right? Over Two year. years ago. Time flies when you're having fun here at the University of Richmond Robbins School of Business. Um, so let's talk about it. If you go back historically, and I would say even to the 60s, 1960s, 
let's go to the 70s or 80s when M&D may have been in college. They were talking about marketing as the four Ps. You got to have a decent product to start with. Boy, this time really goes by fast. (laughs) You got to have a decent product. You got to have a good price for it. It's got to be available. It's got to have a place. It's got to have distribution, which is place. And last but not least, let me say that again. Last but not least is promotion, which all of you or 95% of you think is the definition of marketing. Promotion is simply how marketers communicate and connect with you. It is the mouthpiece of marketing. It's amazing how much wonderful insights we can get on these podcasts, isn't it? Uh Um, So it is the mouthpiece of marketing and it talks to you through advertising or promotion or other forms. So definition of marketing, here we go. It's still going. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, they can hear you. The, def- <laughs> the definition of marketing is simple. It is trying to sell you something, getting in your head and trying to sell you something, one. It includes the four Ps, price, or let's go with easily, product, price, place, and promotion. Um, so that's a definition, and I'd add one more word to that. And what would that word be, Miss Mancini? How soon they yeah, forget. Yeah, that's when I forget. Uh, too much. Relationships. Oh, yes. So what's so different about marketing today versus when your parents took this course, maybe in the 80s or the 90s, is that we now, brands now have relationships with you. Products and services interact with you at different uh, touch points. So you have the four Ps, you have relationships, and you have that goofy definition, which includes the word sales in it. But here's the thing that's really wacky and the thing that makes this whole world of marketing such a big pain in the neck. Notice the use of proper language for college. Exactly. Um, I feel like I'm on the Howard Stern show. (laughs) Um, And that is that no two companies define marketing the same. Freaks me out. Continues to freak me out. Um, That no two companies can come up with a common definition of marketing. And we can look at different kinds of companies and you can begin to see why. Um, The book, which actually is pretty good on this point, talks about one, two, three, four, about five different kinds of marketing concepts or companies and how they relate to them. There's something called the production concept. So if you work at a company like Hewlett Packard and you manufacture um, copiers, what do they sell for? Seventy nine, ninety nine, eighty bucks. You can get fancy like Dr. Carlson, get one for two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're usually under a hundred dollars. And advertising has little, or marketing has little to do with their success. What allows them to succeed in the marketplace is how cheaply can I produce it? Can you think of any others like that? 
how cheaply they can produce it. Yeah, I mean, if you go to Best Buy, you, you don't walk into Best Buy saying, I'm going to get a Hewlett-Packard. You walk into Best Buy going, you know, I'm going to see what's a cheap one. Do they have a special on one? What's going on? And I'm going to buy one that's fairly, that I can afford. Maybe like TVs? TVs have gotten that way. So as I've told you before, the Bergmans 14 years ago were so excited to buy a big screen TV and put it in their family room. And the Bergmans paid how much for that TV? A thousand? $7,500. It's 14 years later. You know what that TV cost? 800 800 bucks. I'm not bitter. Um, but you can see how it's gone from being a specialty item to just sort of one of these production items. Inside of a company that places a lot of emphasis on how cheaply can I produce a product, marketing's not that big a deal. It's, it's how do I produce? How do I get the raw materials cheaply? How do I figure out um, how, to, how to get it to market as cheap as I can? We'll call that the production concept. What about the product concept? I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, that's where the product becomes more important, where you put a lot of emphasis on the product, where the product may be expensive. It may be Mercedes, even though they advertise a lot. Um, but the product itself is where you focus. It could be an expensive watch. They do some forms of advertising, but again, their emphasis on how do I make this product even better. There's a selling concept. If you go to Allstate, um, while they do advertise car insurance on TV these days, they're very much sales-oriented. If you walk into a business-to-business -business or a company that manufactures ball bearings, career job dream, um, they, they really don't advertise. They pay all their money to their sales force to get that out. There are companies that focus on marketing. Can you think of some? Sneakers? Yeah, Nike. Oh, yeah. Nike, big time. It's all about the marketing. Starbucks, mm -hmm. it's all about the marketing. Um, Apple, it's all about, I got to hit the latest iPhone and I gotta have the latest watch. So those companies spend a ton of money marketing their products and services, and as a result, if you're gonna go work in marketing, go there. Go to one of those companies because they're more likely to engage you in, in marketing efforts. And then there's the societal concept for do-gooders like, like your roommate who you know wanna save the world and save mankind. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Patagonia would be one of those or Patagonia would be in the product concept. Because Patagonia makes great products, but they're also environmentally conscious. So here's the deal about marketing. Here are some things you got to remember about it. One, no company defines it the same way. Every company defines it differently, and it depends on what they do. If they simply manufacture a cheapo product, Marketing's not that relevant. If they suddenly um, make a very expensive product, it's different. And if they're in the, if they have salespeople who go out and sell, you know, it's even more. Uh, there's a payroll company. I forget the name of Paycom, where a couple of our students have gone to work. They're making a hundred grand a year. 
Um, you know, actually selling payroll services. So that's a sales-based company. Um, and then there's do-gooder companies, um, which, are, which are excellent also. So anybody got any questions now that we're 12 minutes into this excitement? Anything about chapter one that anyone remembers, including myself? They have all kind of terms in that chapter. Don't lose sleep over it. Um, the book will keep repeating those terms over and over again. So I'm not going to spend too much time on them because we'll talk about them um, as time goes on. I just want to make sure you understand a couple of basic concepts. What are they? One, marketing is not just advertising. Marketing includes selling you something. It includes the four P's. It includes relationships. And no two companies define marketing the same way. Trust me, if you go to work at Dell in Austin, Texas, or you go work at Apple in California, in Cupertino, holy smokes, we got to kill until we get to 14. Um, it's a vastly different experience as an employee in a vastly different culture and a vastly different definition of the word marketing. Marketing to Dell is much more selling, is much more telemarketing. Marketing to Apple, who knows what it is, but um, it's effective. So keep in mind those differences. Keep in mind that every company approaches it differently. And also think about the difference between marketing and accounting or marketing and finance. For those of you finance and accounting majors who are forced to take this exciting course, Remember that finance and accounting have very defined definitions. They're formulas to do what you do. The world of marketing, not so quick. There are no formulas here. You gotta learn it as you go. Are there some basic principles? For sure. You gotta have a decent product. Um, you gotta figure out how to price it properly and get distribution for it. But can you apply a formula and make it work like you can in accounting and finance? New, new, new. So here's the deal. If you gotta know what the future is gonna bring, go into accounting and finance. It's a happier life. If you enjoy being innovative, creative, and trying to, to do different things on an ongoing basis, go into marketing. Also, a marketing person inside of a company is much more of a line person than a staff person. At, if you're an accountant, you sit at your desk and you do accounting. If you're marketing, you're more of a quarterback who's trying to coordinate all of the efforts inside the company to help a brand. So with that in mind, we are gonna shift gears right now. Enough of this textbook, enough of this excitement. Let's call one of our alums. Hopper, how are you? Hi, Professor Bergman. I'm doing very well. How are you? This is the distinguished Shelby Hopper from my spring 20 principles of marketing class. Is that correct? That is correct. 
Spring 20 back rower, which is even more sophisticated. <laughs> so we're here talking about the important, we're talking about chapter one in Principles of Marketing, doing these podcasts for these students taking my um, online course in the spring of 21, one year later. And, you know, I was just wondering, now that you've been out of that class for a while and done a fancy internship this summer, how do you define marketing? I define marketing as a way to get into someone's head and sell them something. All right, let's (laughs) give her a hand. And can you tell us what the four P's of marketing are and if there's anything else that's important to it? Sure. So the four P's of marketing means price, promotion, place, and product. And what else? And along with that is relationships. <laughs> and and Miss Shelby, where are you right now? I'm currently walking into ETC um, with my mask on because COVID nineteen social distancing, staying safe. And and. And don't you think ETC, we've talked about this, I think, it's a high-priced 7-Eleven? It is definitely high-priced, I will tell you that. Luckily, Spider Dollars covers it. And do you think ETC is an expandable product concept? I mean, could we put an ETC in Greenwich? Um, it definitely depends. I would say that there would be a lot of competition along the way because of all the different um, convenience stores around town, and it might be a lot cheaper to go somewhere else. But I'm sure in a place like Stunage, where it's more filled with people who will spend the money, then yeah, I'm sure it could. I, I, yeah, I've always wondered about that. ETC is a phenom to me. Is that the right term? Phenom? Phenomenal, yeah. To me, yeah. Because I never had seen a store where I could go to Wawa or Seven Eleven and pay significantly less than I do at ETC. But it's amazing what dining dollars will do to the mind of poor college students. Anything exactly. else that, that you can remember from principles of marketing in the first week or two? Um. Beside being asleep in the back row? Let me see. Um, the first week, I'm pretty sure we honestly know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's inspiring to our group of students out there. But, but thank you. We really appreciate you. You are our first guest on oh, I'm so honored. podcast. It, it's a pleasure to have you. We hope you... Um, have a nice shopping spree inside of ETC. Make sure to wash your hands when you leave that place. Of course. Thank you so much. It's an honor. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. So now let's go to our first marketing historical moment. You excited over there? So excited. Yeah, it's a big deal. So let's go to like the year, I think it was 75, 76, Dallas, Texas, the home of the Cowboys who suck, uh, who aren't that great. Um, And there's a bottler 
a, a soft drink bottler, a Pepsi soft drink bottler in Dallas who goes, you know what, I'm sick of Coca-Cola beating me. I'm going to beat them for a change. And so I am going to conduct taste tests. And I will bet you that consumers will prefer the taste of Pepsi over Coke if it's a blind taste test. So this crazy guy in Dallas, Texas, does the blind taste test. He starts videotaping consumers drinking a Coke and drinking a Pepsi blindly. And who would have thought two to one, two to one, Pepsi wins. But let's just stop the story for a second. You don't have to stop. No, that's fine. If I say to everybody out here listening to this award-winning podcast, what do you drink, Coke or Pepsi? Let's see a show of hands. How many of you drink Coca-Cola? I know none of you drink Coke or Pepsi because there's too much sugar in it. But if you did drink Coke or Pepsi, how many of you would drink Pepsi? What? Nobody's raising their hand? And how many of you Gen Z or Millennials would drink Coca-Cola? What? All of you are raising your hand? Well, that's the story how it was in 1975 when this dude in Dallas did this blind taste test. And he was shocked to find that, again, the majority of people doing this taste test picked Pepsi. So it got most of the other bottlers who were like franchisees to agree to keep doing these tests. And all of a sudden, the national advertising through BBDO in New York, where young Bill Bergman was working right out of Southern Methodist University, was doing advertising about the Pepsi Challenge, where we did all these these taste tests all around the country, and people were picking Pepsi two to one over Coke. So what happened, you ask? What happened, Megan? Pepsi sales went up. The people in Atlanta at Coke freaked out. And what did they do? Started pushing marketing. They pushed marketing, but they did something else. They went to a P, the product. Um, Besides peeing in their pants, they went to the product and they changed Coke. They changed Coke to taste like Pepsi. And they brought out what they called the new Coke. And it bombed. People freaked out. Um, and they had they they brought out the new Coke, which had more sugar in it to taste like Pepsi, and it was a massive bomb. I mean, a massive bomb. And so um, they went back to the original Coke, um, and have subsequently now, some how many years later, forty years later, fifty years later, have made a comeback. Pepsi was beating Coke at that point in time. But all of a sudden, when you guys were little kids, Coke started doing something weird. They started being fun. Coke was the brand about fun. Remember those little bears running around? Oh, how cute, how wonderful. And now we have a generation of you guys who prefer Coke to Pepsi. What's the learning experience from this exciting five-minute historical moment? Marketing's weird. And just because on a blind taste test, somebody likes Pepsi over Coke, doesn't mean it's going to end that way. I'll bet you we could do the same blind taste test and you'd like McDonald's coffee over Starbucks. But I'm not going to change Starbucks to match McDonald's. That historical moment was brought to you by...
The Robin School of the Business. Business. Thank you. I mean, hope you enjoyed our first episode of the Market Principles of Marketing podcast. And we'll see you on version two, episode two.